Morning, friends. Great to see you. If you want to turn with me to Joshua 2, uh, we're going to continue in Joshua together. This morning, last week, we began in Joshua 1, and so we're just going to continue on. Uh, Joshua is near the beginning of your Bibles, uh, so if you just turn there now, uh, we're just going to continue where we left off. This week's story is all happening within the last few verses of chapter 1. Last week, we saw how Joshua told the people that they need to be ready, that in three days they were going to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you to possess. Well, today we're going to look at what happened within those three days, mostly really just a few hours uh, there in that gap uh, is where chapter two takes place. I don't know about you, but I really love surprises uh, my birthday is January 1st. Maybe write that down. Uh, and a few years ago, uh, in mid-August, I was in total shock when I arrived home after playing a football match and upon opening my front door was met with a surprise birthday party. Laura had told me to not rush home and so I did as she suggested. And there in one room were all my close friends. And it was such a fantastic time, and yes, a total surprise. Laura had organized it, and so uh, to really make sure that I wouldn't guess, and she did it in August, so there we go. But there was someone in control, and even as I entered the house and it wasn't as I expected, I knew Laura was there and that she had planned it all out. Well, in our passage today, I think we're going to see many surprises for the spies, uh, for Rahab, but we know, uh, especially as we see the grace of God played out in the roller coaster of the events that happen, uh, but we know that God is in total control. He knows what is going on, and whether for the spies or Rahab, they are called to do and obey as he says. Let me read it for us, and uh, so if you turn to Joshua 2 with me now. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But... She had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you, and 
when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city walls, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers were searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also, all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Friends, I think looking at this text this morning, the main point for our time together is God is gracious, so we should obey him fully and trust him completely. God is gracious, so we should obey him fully and trust him completely. And we're just going to be walking through the chapter uh, together, and I have three Ps that are going to guide us through the text. Uh, Hopefully you'll see these in the text, and they merely just describe what is going on. So these three Ps are our main points, and they are, the first is protection in verses 1 to 8, then praise in verses 9 to 11, and promise in verses 12 to 24. That's protection in verses 1 to 8, Praise in verses 9 to 11 and promise in 12 to 24. So we're just going to begin with our first P, protection. So look with me at verses 1 to 8. And I think beginning in verse 1, we see that Joshua, God's appointed leader of the Israelites, a military man with a background, as we know, in covert operations uh, seen in Numbers 13. And apparently this is just standard practice. He sends out two spies 
to take a look at what is going on across the river. The the spies are being sent out to go and bring back a report uh, so that the people can proceed with what God has told Joshua to do. Go over this Jordan into the land I am giving to them. From all that I can uh, see and have studied, this area next to Jericho was a good location for crossing the Jordan. And I think this opening just really highlights uh, the wisdom that God has given Joshua as a skillful leader, that he really does have an active part to play in this, and that he is still in command of an army, and he has to lead the people into the promised land. And as we trust and obey all that uh, God says, this does not mean that we need to kind of unplug our brains from our day-to-day lives and somehow uh, just do nothing and say, don't mind me, I'm just trusting God. As we see with Joshua, I think we're still required to make wise decisions, to consider the options before us. If you're maybe buying a house, go ahead and get the inspection. Negotiate the price. If you're applying for a job, read the contract. Make sure you know how much you will be paid. If you're making a big decision in your life, then double check that it's not out of line with what God has called us to do as Christians in his word. And then also speak to your fellow Christians here. Ask a friend. Speak to the person maybe you read the Bible with. Maybe grab coffee with an elder and ask their wisdom. You are not alone here, Christian. And I don't think we're called just to say, I'm trusting God, peace out. And just stop and disengage and close our eyes and walk back into the world. So here we see Joshua sends out spies, clearly gifted men that head towards Jericho, hand-picked, and they get out, with, get in, sorry, without being caught. We see Jericho was a busy place and somehow they got through. Now, whether it was because there were many other guys heading there, or it was just a good resting spot near the gate. These men head to the house of a local prostitute and decide to stay there. If you've not come across this story before, then you might be thinking, wow, okay, that is not where I expected them to land when they arrived in the city. I was not expecting to hear that in church this morning. Amazingly, though, in just this short phrase, we are told a lot of information. It's probable that she was maybe some sort of innkeeper or uh, she ran some sort of Airbnb enterprise, Uh, but we know that this is definitely somewhere that the two men can head straight for and stay without causing too much suspicion. Important is that we also do not see any kind of suggestion of sexual relations or anything untoward between this lady, Rahab, and the two spies. But We can't escape it. Her job title is here. God chose to include it for us for for history, and I think it's both important and not important. It's important and there for a reason. It tells us so much about who Rahab was and how she lived, but at the same time, it's not important, as we'll see, who she has become and how God will use her. So this is our, our first introduction to her, someone who's really the main character of this this whole chapter, a Canaanite woman, clearly a Gentile, someone not from the people of God, and someone described as a prostitute. 
Her house is clearly the place to be and probably would have been a natural place to, to gather information and seemingly get information from other local men, which was really the main task of the spies. They were there to, to check what condition Jericho was in and to test if it was the right time for the Israelites to do as God had said. But it was nearly all over before it even began. Look with me at verses 2 to 5. The spy's cover had clearly been blown since the beginning. And someone has told, not just, not just anyone, but the king of Jericho, that they are there and that they have been scouting the land. And not only that, but they were staying at Rahab's place. What we see is just incredible in these verses. The king sends a message probably delivered by maybe a group of soldiers, and they bang on her door late at night and say that they know she is keeping two spies and that she needs to reveal them immediately. A rather incredible thing happens. This lady from Jericho, whose family and friends clearly all live there in the same city, this is where she's from, she stands before the king and the king's men and says, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. What is she doing? She's putting her life in danger for these two men she's only just met from a place she's never been in a people she doesn't know. What is going on? Rahab flatly lies to the king and sends the men bringing the message on their way, who we see in verse 7, think they are pursuing the spies all the way to the river Jordan and the fords. There were really, as I've said, few places to cross the Jordan, so the soldiers would have had high hopes of getting there soon and cutting off the spies. And as they leave Jericho, we read that the large gate is swung shut. It's closed, slammed behind them. The end of the day has come in Jericho, but at this point, only Rahab knows that the two spies are not just still in the city, they are on top of her roof. Up where it's hot and flat, just like our roofs here, there in Jericho, it was a good place just to dry out different crops you might have had or dry your clothes. Uh, for Rahab, her roof was covered in long flax. That is where Rahab had hidden the men. This is truly remarkable. These spies who thought they had done a great job getting into Jericho had actually been watched the whole time. The king knew they were there and now the hostess of the house has had to, to lie to the king and hide the men on a roof that they could live to tell the tale and go back and get the message to Joshua, their new boss. They were ready to go. But we are here in these, these opening verses. The plan has not gone well so far, and their lives have been protected by this Canaanite woman. But why? Why did she do it? Why did Rahab risk everything, even her life, to protect the lives of these two spies? As we walk through this first point, I don't want you to forget that the kind of surprise and amazement we felt when we first met Rahab. How easy is it for us to, to write her off, to discount her? She was a foreigner. She did not grow up in a, in a God-fearing home. She was a woman. She was a prostitute. 
The list goes on of the ways people might be tempted reading this story to just discount someone like Rahab. But it's amazing here how we see God use her to protect not just the two spies, but his whole mission. How many of you, maybe when you came here this morning, were ready to discount yourselves because of something that you maybe think is is a mark against you and your name? Perhaps you think that because of where you're from, maybe your background, that you are somehow useless. Perhaps you think about what your parents did or didn't do, or maybe you're a parent and you think about all that you have done or haven't done, and that maybe now that counts against you in the eyes of God. Friends, maybe it's your gender, maybe you think about your marital status, or maybe your own sexual past. You think that maybe because of those things, God would never, ever use someone like you for his purposes. Friends, I'm begging you this morning, do not discount yourself in any way. I think we'll see in point two that it's only by the grace of God and his generous mercy that any of us are welcomed into the people of God to come and worship, to praise his holy name and for him to use our whole lives for his glory, regardless or rather especially because of all those things that count against us. God sees them. God knows them. And in his grace and his mercy, he welcomes you and he welcomes me. We are the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Friends, Ephesians 2 is clear and we heard it already this morning. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here in our in our opening point, I think we've just seen the good works that God prepares for Rahab beforehand. And boy, did she not just walk in them and seek to glorify God. Consider this week in your own life, what good works has God prepared for you? Perhaps it is the opportunity to help, the opportunity to encourage. Perhaps it is to lead, or perhaps it is to serve. Maybe it'll mean helping someone from a different nation. All of these, friends, we must keep an eye out for them. They are all amazing gifts from God and point to the fact that our faith and our trust is in Him. From the outset, we see the incredible grace of God in in using Rahab for his purposes, for his people. Now in our our second point, we'll see how we got to this miraculous point. How, as one commentator writes, Rahab moved from the house of shame to the hall of fame. Friends, look with me at verse 9 as we begin our second P and our second point. That's praise. Verses 9 to 11. Praise in verses 9 to 11. Rahab begins with the words, I know. Immediately, we see her confession of faith, her praising God for who he is. We'll we'll come back to see that that confession is real and genuine. But from this verse alone, we know that she is acutely aware of who the men are, where they are from, and on whose mission they come. 
You must hear the echoes with me of Joshua chapter 1 last week where God says, into this land that I am giving to them. What is amazing here is also how God is in his power and in his wisdom is going ahead of the Israelite people to prepare the way for them. Rahab knows who God is. She's confessing it with her mouth, but as she goes on, the spies learn that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. She describes what God did at the the Red Sea with the Egyptians and also the Amorites, and she carries on in verse 11, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. The people's hearts had melted because of what God had done. They fear the God of Israel, the one true God, because he had demonstrated how he controls everything in this world. Last week, we looked at how only he was able to do all of this and make those kind of promises that he did because he is the creator. He is the I am. He is Yahweh. He is the Lord. We don't know how the people here knew about what had happened, but the important thing is that they do. They know that it is Yahweh that is in control. It is God that has made a way for the Israelites. And it is God that they can trust. Two amazing things happen here in verses uh, 9, between 9 and 11. Firstly, the spies have what they have come for. We'll come back to that in verse 24. They have their information about Jericho and where the people are at. I think this is uh, why there is kind of panic at the beginning from the king. Clearly, somehow, even for a town with visitors, there is a nervousness at the thought of the Israelites arriving. And the word has spread far and wide of what the Israelite God had done. And we see Rahab not telling of how great Moses is or that the people of God are really fast at running or good swimmers or whatever, but that God, even here, it is he that is getting the glory. Let me ask you, is that the same for your life and your ministry? Perhaps you're here in this nation on a mission. Perhaps you've been sent here with a particular task. Perhaps you are here just going about your business or maybe you're studying or just doing day-to-day life here. But let me ask you, whose glory are you concerned with? Do you long to see maybe your name lifted up for you to be praised for the great work you have done? Or is it God's name that you are worried about? Friends, it can't be both. Let your life be for the glory of God in all that you say and do. Be concerned for God's glory above your own. Now we've already touched on it slightly, but it's in these short verses that we also see Rahab putting God and his glory above everything, above her security for her own nation and her people. As she confesses at the end of verse 11, look there with me, for the Lord your God He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Iraq Evangelical, I also want to commend you and encourage you. This is something I see so many of you doing and that you have done for year after year after year. As someone new here, that is just so encouraging for me. So, Back in the text, we, we see here that through what God has done for the Israelites, Rahab totally understands who has done this and has caused her to trust Yahweh and confess that he 
is God. This was not the norm, and we'll see how others in Jericho have heard the same news. Word had traveled far and wide, and they were not trusting God. But here with Rahab, God, in his wisdom, has given her faith, and she has trusted him alone. You cannot miss what an incredible thing this is. As we move to our our third point, our third P, promise, in verses 12 to 24, we're going to see more unexpected turns and tales. We see how the spies and ultimately God deal with Rahab and what this means for her life and for us today. We come to our third P, that is promise, in verses 12 to 24. Promise, verses 12 to 24. Rahab has praised God for who he is, and we see her faith, and now look at Verses 12 to 14 with me, we're about to see again, again, the grace of God. Look at verse 12 and you, you see Rahab making a request of the two men and asking them to make an oath. I have helped you. I have treated you kindly like one of my own people, those who trust the Lord. And now, please treat me in the same way. Rahab knows what is coming. She knows the judgment that will come when the Israelites return that Yahweh has promised them this land and will destroy everything and everyone in their way. Verse 13, she, she talks of her family. She's saying to them, save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. I have loved you. Please show that same love to me and to my household. I have dealt kindly with you, she says. And what do they say to her? Do they shame her? Do they thank her and just move on? Do they dismiss her? Or do they show the same love, patience, and grace that they too have been shown by God and also shown by Rahab herself? They echo the same thing back to her, affirming this promise that because of what she has done, which we can be, we can see is traced back to her faith, she will be saved. We will Deal kindly and faithfully with you, they say. The grace of God, friends, here is on full display for us. She knows that these men represent God's people and God's people are representing him and carrying his promises. And the story goes on for us beautifully. We just see how everything about Rahab's involvement in this story is just miraculous. And just over and over again, we see how the Lord has prepared the steps of these spies and has used this outsider for his purposes. Rahab is mentioned eight times in the Bible and in six of those, we see that she is referred to as a prostitute. God uses what she does for his purposes. In this story, we see how God uses where she lives for his purposes and God uses her whole life for his purposes. In his faithfulness and grace, he has appointed these things for Rahab. And it's the same for you. What you do for work, your own personal testimony, your story, are all for the glory of God. The street where where you live and the apartment or maybe the house that you live in are all being used by God for his glory and a part of his plan you stay here for the rest of your life, 
Or if you're offered a great job elsewhere, then God uses all of this for his glory. And it's all part of his purposes. I mean, verse 15 tells us Rahab's house was built into a wall. That the men escaped using a rope. So Rahab really, when she got this apartment, must have been thinking, this is, I mean, it's in the wall. It's built into the wall. This is not a great location. This is not the best apartment, I think, available in Jericho. But it was not by chance that they ended up in Rahab's house, in the wall, and that she supplied all they needed and helped them escape to the hills, as we see in verse 16. In this, we see God's hand and how he keeps his promises. He guides and guards his people, and he uses the most unexpected people and situations for his glory. And friends, that includes me, and that includes you. As we get to verses 17 to 21, we see the final instructions for Rahab, and pointing forward to how she will be saved, brought in to the people of God, and also the significance for us too today. The instructions are clear for Rahab's household as they were for the Israelites in Egypt and as they are for us today. The judgment of God is coming and in His grace, He has provided a way to be saved. Here we see the instructions in verse 18 sandwiched either side around how the men will be guiltless before God if she deviates from the plan. Her obedience to God is demonstrated on this judgment day that is coming just three days from now through a sign. This sign is to be a scarlet cord hung from her window to the world and to the coming judgment of God. This sign points to a new reality, a change that has already happened. It points to the promises of God, to obedience to him, but it also points more importantly to the promise he has made to guard and keep and protect his people that though they deserve to die, they are granted new life. With Rahab and the scarlet cord, I think we clearly see the Passover being echoed. Exodus 18.7 says, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat it. And a few verses later in Exodus 18.12, God says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. But as with the Passover, friends, where because of blood that was sacrificed, a sign being given, we see new life, not death. We see a pointing forward to the perfect sacrifice that would come and how this all points to and is finally fulfilled in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians 5, Jesus is referred to as our Passover lamb. In Hebrews 9, we see that when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means 
of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Hebrews 9 carries on, Therefore not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So I think that with this cord displayed in the window of Rahab's house, this sign due to her, her faith in God, she will be saved when this judgment day comes three days later at the arrival of the Israelites in Jericho. It was her faith in God that caused her to do what she did in verses 1 to 8. Her faith produced incredible works, works that we see commended in the New Testament. Look in James chapter 2, for example. Above all those through history that have trusted in God, we see two people commended for their faith and how that faith produced works that demonstrated to the world what God had done in their heart. The first of these, a well-known name, Abraham, the father of Israel, through whom God gave his promise to bless the nations, the one whom God made a covenant and who was the beginning of Jesus' genealogy in Matthew 1. The other is Rahab. Of all the people through history that have trusted God, it is Rahab that is held up alongside Abraham in James. And in Hebrews 11, often referred to as the hall of faith, a kind of mighty list of those who had faith in God, again, we see Rahab listed. In his grace, in his mercy, Rahab's life was spared because of her faith in God. And years and generations will pass before we see all the promises of God finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And this whole chapter this morning involves you. And it also involves me. It, it mentions, uh, after mentioning Rahab, sorry, and others in Hebrews 11, we see that God reserves something different for us. We know what happens. We know how it all ends. Amazingly, after Abraham is mentioned in Matthew 1, Jesus' genealogy, where we see who, who Jesus' descendants are, there is another name in there. Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Friends, Rahab is the, the great-grandmother of King David, and we see how in Matthew 1, Jesus descends directly from David. And so it descends directly from Rahab. In coming weeks, we'll see how this plays out in Joshua 6. But what is incredible is that Rahab is not despised, but she's brought in. She's not just allowed to be among the people of God, but is brought right to the very center, all the way to the genealogy of Jesus and clearly the purposes of God in his great salvation plan. This is how the story is so important for us this morning. In Rahab, we see how the nations, those not born into the people of God, are brought in and how faith in God means that regardless of your, your color, your gender, your background, he has made a way for you and has plans for you and offers out to you even today this promise of new and eternal 
life. But how? How do we do that? If you don't know Jesus this morning, then you need to know that he has made a way for you that because of sin that you were all born with, we are all born separated from God. Like Rahab, you are not born into the people of God. That is only a community of faith, those that trust God. Now, due to your sin, there is a price to be paid. And as we've heard, that this is only paid for by blood and only by the blood of a perfect sacrifice. And not just any sacrifice, but Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus came, the perfect lamb who lived a perfect life. So to pay the, per- the perfect payment for your sins, he died the death, friends, that you deserved. And it's only through him that we can obey and trust God. Look with me at verse 21 and you see that Rahab had to respond to the promise. We see that as the, the spies departed, she had to tie the cord in the window. Friends, if you don't know Christ, then there is a required response from you today. Jesus holds out an invitation to you this morning. Will you accept it or reject it? Just know that you cannot remain neutral towards Jesus. That judgment day is coming. The Lord has shown his his grace to you. How will you respond? As we conclude the chapter, we see that the spies depart and return safely home. They did, as as she said, and were able to pass their report on to Joshua. Now, our passage concludes with their simple hope-filled report, and I'm glad to be able to bring the same message to you, Christian, this morning. God has kept his promises, and so there is nothing to fear. The enemy has been dealt with He has made a way for us and prepared a place for us. He is with us, and so let us proceed in obedience. Let's pray. Lord, help us this week to not forget your amazing grace. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we who were so far from you have been brought in, knitted into your people. Lord, help us to be bold this week in our lives for your glory. Amen.